Can you guys hear me all right? Is that okay? All right. Not yet. Okay. Testing, testing. How, how are we doing here? Yeah? All right. I hear some, I hear some action. All right. Well, good afternoon, New Life Community Church. My beloved, the beloved of God, it's so good to see you all here together that you guys aren't passed out from turkeys. So great. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving to enjoy a meal together, especially with some loved ones. And even though, you know, there's some tragic history associated with this holiday, I think we can agree that at least the practice of giving thanks is life-giving, even in the midst of hardships and loss. So to even have food to share and people to share it with is a gift that we cannot take for granted that uh, the past 20 months or so has shown us. So last week, Chris began our series, a series on suffering, specifically the suffering that we are quick to underestimate, the suffering because of our own sin. Next week, Chris is going to talk about how we overcome that sin with Jesus. But today I want to pause and I want to go a little deeper regarding suffering to recognize that there are different kinds of suffering and how we can begin to deal with it in our lives and begin to find hope. So please stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. The scripture this morning comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. I'm reading from the NIV version. So Romans 8, starting from verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for gathering your beloved ones here this morning. We pray, Father God, those that are within the hearing, Father God, of your word today, you would help us to be attentive, to be alert. Lord God, wake us up, Lord. Lord God, we come in different places, some with joys, but some with some pains, Lord God, and some burdens. But you know all those things, all the things that are kind of crowding our minds right now. Lord God, we give them to you. You're fully aware of them. You're fully capable of holding those things. Lord God, help us to trust you with them, Lord God, and help us now to be fully present, not just physically, but completely here right now to you. Help us to hear, not my words, but Father God, your words. And help us, Lord God, to not just hear it, but to take it in to trust you, to believe you at your word. And Father, to let that word bear fruit, in our lives that we would act upon what you have shown us. Thank you, Jesus. 
We pray that your spirit would just be leading us and guiding us. You'd be covering us, oh God, and drawing us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So there's so many different kinds of suffering, right? We talked about suffering because of our own sin. But there's also suffering of sin done to us. As well as the suffering of poverty, oppression, and injustice. Then there's the suffering that just seems random. An unjust suffering for which we have no explanation. No reason that we can explain. Unfortunately, today we're not going to go into every level of detail that this topic could take in one sermon. However, we can at least acknowledge that there is real suffering in this world. But today, I want to specifically focus on a suffering that all of us, including myself, all of us will one day face. Death. Whether it's the death of a loved one or maybe even your own death. Dave, why are you bringing up this uncomfortable topic, Dave? Come on, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Come on. I don't like this topic either. But I can't help but feel that in the past 20 months, don't you think God is trying to get our attention? Death has come closer than we ever thought possible through this global pandemic. Whether we like it or not, we must learn how to face and deal with death. Death has come close. For me personally, in the space of about one year, my family lost two fathers to cancer. My father-in-law died in February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And then my own father died in January of 2021, just about a year ago. Our community, around this time last year, I don't know if you remember, the COVID spread and death in the community reached a level higher than we had ever seen. Did you know our county of Los Angeles had the heartbreaking distinction of the most COVID-19 deaths in the United States? And within this county of LA, our neighborhoods, of LA's east side was hit particularly hard. And even now, the majority of our Latino community is devastated with the highest death rates in the county. In our world, our world has experienced over 5 million deaths so far from COVID alone. And this isn't even getting into the increase in drug overdose deaths in this period of time, or how extreme weather events are the new norm. That's why it's like 80 plus degrees on the last Sunday of November. Hmm. Pretending or ignoring death is not going to make it go away. Death is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It does not matter what your skin color is, what neighborhood you come from, how good you are, how hard you work. We must all meet death one day. We do nobody any good by ignoring it. Death is hard enough. There's no way to fully know when it's coming. But I can guarantee you, it will be even harder 
if you haven't prepared for it at all. Why? Why must we suffer death? Isn't God good? Verse 21, we see a little phrase in there. We see that creation, it says, is in bondage to decay. What does that mean? It means everything in this world is being pulled down to break down. Everything is going to break down. The things, the people that we love, it's going to decay, break down. All suffering, and ultimately the suffering of death, the final one, was brought into this world through what the Bible calls the fall. What is that? If you read in your Bible, in the beginning, God created us actually to live forever in relationship with him. However, the first humans, Adam and Eve, but also all humans, we decided at some point we knew better. And we went our own way apart from God. We do it often. We trust ourselves over our creator. This was our sin. And this is where our suffering began and spread from. And it resulted in bondage to sin, to decay, and ultimately to death. And it's not just human beings, Scripture says. All of creation suffered the consequences too. You know, we were supposed to take care of this world, but instead we have abused this world. And we're starting to see some of the fruits of that now. But one might say, well, couldn't God have stopped all of that from happening? Why did that even have to happen? Well, you know, God did warn us. He sends us prophets and we kill them. He did warn us. But we also know God also gave us choice or free will. Now think about it. If you're forced to follow God, to love him, then can we call that genuine love for God at all? In one sense, if you think about it, death is a mercy. How can I say this? Death is a mercy in a world with sin and that is fallen. Think, if we would live forever, unchecked, apart from the God of all life, with our sinful and selfish tendencies, this would lead to more suffering, not less. Does that make sense? Right? Unchecked and not in that life-giving relationship with God, if we live forever, that would be hell. So because of the fall, we experience death. Big death we're talking about, but also there's little deaths along the way. What do I mean by that? We grieve many losses, don't we? It's not just people. The losses of things, the losses of places. Even flowers, beautiful as they are, they will fade. Our beauty, these beautiful faces looking at me right now, they're not always going to look like that. <laughs> Our youth will fade. But, praise God, this isn't how it's supposed to be or how it will be forever. In verse 20, it says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated or freed from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. 
So yes, we choose to sin, but did you know God chose to put a plan into motion from the beginning? He, fought, he allowed frustrations of struggle, of suffering and death to show us that this isn't how it's supposed to be. He has a plan for liberation from this bondage to decay, that we could be free and live forever as children of God. Now, Pastor Chris will talk about the specifics of that plan a little bit more next week. But just know, death was never meant to be the end. The very fact that this suffering, think about it, the very fact that this suffering is frustrating to us, that this, this bondage feels wrong somehow, it's the very clue that there's something more. C.S. Lewis, the famous scholar and storyteller, the guy who wrote, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, he wrote this, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger? Well, there's such a thing as food. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. But maybe, you know, desire, that isn't enough. Elsewhere, Lewis writes this. He says, we can even ignore pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse or wake up a deaf world. Pain tells us it's a sign, actually, from God that something's wrong. Even suffering points to God. How do I see this? A Christian surgeon named Dr. Paul Brand, he discovered how pain can be a gift. Okay, stay, stay with me on this, okay? As his life's work was to work with leprosy patients. Uh, if you know anything about leprosy, it's a skin disease that you see in the Bible, uh, but it's a specific disease in which people can no longer feel, right, through their nerves. And it first shows up by just skin being worn off. Now, how does that relate? Those with the skin disease of leprosy, you know what they lose? They lose their ability to feel. And because they cannot feel pain, they don't know when they're destroying their body. That's why it destroys their skin, because if their hand is being burned, they don't feel it. If their hand is being cut, they don't feel it. So their body, from the outside, begins to waste away, because they cannot feel. So no one is saying, I'm not saying the pain is good in itself. But what I am saying is that pain can tell us something is wrong. And if we do not address it, it often gets worse. Now, some might say, oh, I'm hearing this, but there's so much death and unjust suffering in the world for which there's no good reason, right? So how can there be a God? If there's a God, how can he be good then? 
But without God, that statement actually makes less sense. How do I see it? If there's no God and the world is just evolving randomly, why even complain at all? There's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be survival of the fittest. The weak are going to be destroyed by the strong as a matter of course in such a world. On what basis then do you or can you make a case for justice at all? Who decides then what is just? Where do you think justice or the sense of what's good or why it matters even comes from? Did you know that's what moves C.S. Lewis? He used to be an atheist to a believer. He found the very thing he was using to argue against God was something that he found within himself, a crying out for something good and just that he could not explain. It was inside of him. And if you yourself see no reason for why something happened, that doesn't mean, as a matter of fact then, that there can be no reason at all for it. That's ultimate ignorance, isn't it? To declare there's no reason simply because I can't see a reason. How do you know? How does anyone know? We all need a little bit of humility. And when someone is grieving a death, that's definitely not the right time to say, well, everything happens for a reason. Okay, that may be true. I'm not saying that's not true. That may be true, but there is a time for that, and there's a time to grieve the loss, whatever the reason. Let people grieve. We can and should seek understanding when and where we can. But we must also admit and recognize there are times and things that we don't understand and are beyond our full understanding this side of heaven. That's okay. We are not God. So, how? How can we deal with the suffering of death? First, we have to acknowledge our mortality. We have to acknowledge we're not going to live forever. Not going to be forever young. In verse 22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Just as it becomes clear when a woman is pregnant, you know, at first it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say something, but then it becomes clear over time. So we also know when we view creation, all things in time will decay and die. And we too will die one day. So as much as we want to, you know, put our hands over our ears, close our eyes, it's going to happen, and it's going to come whether we want it to or not. So we have to put aside, we have to put aside the lies, the denials, the fantasy, especially in our American culture that's like, oh, yeah, you know, we could hook you up to a machine. Never, right? That we could be immortal somehow. On this side of life, we're not going to be forever young. The party will end at some point, and we must answer for how we've lived. 
Now, I'm not saying this to be a party pooper, but it's because I love you. Because God loves you, that he wants you to live in truth. Not in some sort of illusion. Like Chris spoke to last week, let's not deceive ourselves, but let's first own our reality. Then, we, do we put aside lies? We put on truth. We can be honest with God, finally. We can give ourselves to God and find peace. God sent his son, Jesus, who laid down his life for you, me, us, to deal with our sin and offers to walk with us in the way of peace. Moses, he prayed a prayer that's recorded in Psalm 90. Psalm 90 in verse 12, he prays to God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Did you know when we better own that one day we will die, that our days are limited, then we have wisdom, not just knowledge. Death can actually help us see better, not to waste our lives. Death has a way to help us narrow down what matters most. Isn't this what we saw? I don't know if you remember when COVID first hit around March, around April, people got real serious about God. People got real serious about what matters, about their families. And you, you notice as things are opening up, people are like, oh, yeah, we're just going back to normal. But there is no new normal. There is no going back to normal anymore. Things have changed fundamentally. But still, that's our human tendency. When death comes close, that's when we wise up. So let's get wise. Let's ask God, God, number my days, teach me to number my days so I don't waste my life. When my father was dying, what mattered most was not what he looked like. What kind of stuff that he had or what he had accomplished, that's not what gave him joy in the end. What mattered most to my dad was the touch of his loved ones. COVID showed us that we didn't, if we didn't have that, to him there was no point. I don't know if any of you have experienced what was so horrible about COVID is we could not be with our loved ones who were dying in hospital. We couldn't touch them. We, we just take that for granted, don't we? When we so we decided, you know, we're just going to bring him back home. And when his family got to touch him, his eyes opened up, and I saw joy returning to him on his last days. But most of all, Jesus gave us this beautiful gift because Jesus was touching him, and he started raising his hands in the air and shouting, Hallelujah, which means praise God. Heaven was breaking through. I say that because, you know, he hadn't eaten or drink anything for days because he couldn't. So there's no reason why he should have had that energy. But suddenly this burst of energy in life. Near death, God gave my dad and us wisdom 
that it's best to be with Jesus. And I know my dad is so happy to be fully with Jesus right now. So, beloved, let's prepare well for our death. Let's give ourselves to Jesus now. If you have an intimate relationship with Jesus now, death doesn't hold fear for you because it's going to be a reunion. But if you do not have an intimate relationship with Jesus now, death is terrifying because you don't know what's waiting for you on the other end. Let's wise up. And let's prepare well for our own death now by thinking about and giving instructions for what you want in your last days. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm being very practical having experienced some death and some of you have experienced much more. Fill out what's called an advanced directive. Ask your doctor for it. Ask somebody for it. That's, it talks about has questions about what kind of life is worth living for you at the end. What do you want? What do you not want at the end? It'll be hard enough for your loved ones when you're dying. So don't make them agonize even more by leaving them without any sense of your final wishes. Then their last memories are going to be arguing over what they thought was the right thing to do. Don't put that on your family. Prepare well for your death, even now. Secondly, we have to name and grieve the pain, even of death. Verse 23 says, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, even as believers in Jesus, we groan in this life, don't we? In fact, the fact that we groan and we cry out for something better, that's a sign of God's spirit in us. This Romans 8 passage goes on to say that sometimes the pain is so deep that we don't even know what to pray for. We're just, oh, just groaning. But did you know when we're groaning, it says the spirit of God is praying through us in words that we can't even understand. The spirit of God that he puts in us can even work through your groans. The death of a loved one it is probably the most intense suffering that we experience. Because grieving, it means we're human. And we have emotions and bonds. It's good. Don't tell people not to grieve. It's good that we grieve because it means that we love deeply. And that's good. But physical death isn't the only suffering. We experience other deaths and losses too. We can grieve the losses of friendships, missed opportunities. Samantha was telling us about the life that we thought we would have. We can grieve those losses, name them. It doesn't do us any good to ignore pain. We saw from what that does to the body when we ignore it. Big ones and little ones. If we don't deal with our pain, it's going to come out in some form, some toxic form. And did you know the Psalms, the Psalms that we love in the Bible, the Psalms are full of praises to God. But did you know that almost half of them are what we call laments? We don't like to talk about those. <laughs> laments are crying out to God in pain. Why? Why, do, why is that in the Bible? Take out that negative stuff. 
No. God knows our experience. That, those psalms can help us a lot. To be able to lament, that too is a gift from God. Because that means we have a God to cry out to. A God who hears, that we trust, cares, and will respond. Lamenting is part of the healing process. So don't bypass that by just pretending things are okay. It's okay and it's good and it's healthy for you to grieve, to cry, to cry out. That is from God. Lastly, we deal with the suffering of death by remembering and holding on to hope. Verse 23b, near the end, it says, And we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. So, going back to that childbirth analogy, just as we know that the childbirth labors of pain that I, as a man, will never experience, but I've seen through my wife, that sort of pain, that pain, we know a baby's coming. So we know that on the other side of death, for those who are in Jesus, who defeated death, something better is coming. The fullness of life is coming. When things are not good now, we must learn the importance of memory. To remember it was not always like this, and it will not always be like this. From the cosmic sense we remember in Genesis, God created the world for abundant eternal life, and in Revelations at the end, we see it will end with abundant eternal life as well. From our deceased loved ones, we remember the good things about them, but we also remember where they fell short. We hold on to a realistic view of our loved ones so we don't make them out to be God, but as a gift from God. So in this way, our memories of them are a way to honor them, but also not to be held back by them. From our lives, we remember how God has shown himself to us, how he's worked in our lives. Let's remember those things. How Jesus has walked with us, how he's promised to work out things for good for those who love him. It is in this hope that we were saved. Hope that in Jesus, he could turn even defeat into victory. A cross into a crown. And death into resurrection. Hope of new life. That you cry out for good it is a sign that God has placed his good inside of you. That through Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit is in you like a deposit at a bank. Like a deposit, the Holy Spirit. It's proof that there's more coming and there's good awaiting you still. I'd like to call up the worship team. So New Life Community Church, my spiritual family, Let's acknowledge that one day we will die. It doesn't have to be a bad thing because Jesus dealt with our sin. So we don't have to be afraid, but we could find peace in him. Let us cry out to God with our pain. We can name our pain. 
release that to Jesus and find healing in due time. But let us also know that pain is a pointer, a seed to remember God's goodness. How Jesus has made a way for us time and time again. And to remember hope. Hope in his goodness still to be revealed. I'd like to call up the leaders just to come up to the side, just to be available to pray with you, for you. And I'd like us to stand if we're able, or kneel, whatever you feel is the appropriate response. Let's connect and let's make peace with God, the giver of life. He has the right to give, but also to take life. Let's make our peace with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of life, the breath that we're even breathing right now. We do not take that for granted. But Father God, we confess, Lord God, death scares us. But we know that's not the end. That's not what you intended from the beginning. But help us to deal with our death, the death of our loved ones. Teach us to number our days so that we would get a heart of wisdom now. We would not waste our lives and our days, but we would spend them on what matters. Help us to live in intimacy and peace with you right now. With that assurance and that hope right now. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Father God, for any who feel distant from that hope, Father God, I pray that you would help them to name and, and bring those things to you. Bring those to a trusted Christian brother or sister. Ultimately, trust them to you, Jesus, and to learn how to walk with you through that. Thank you, Lord God, for the healing that is coming. We just claim it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.